1: It's 2020, of course, so it's time for the first It's My Money of the new year. And unfortunately, Magnus Haystack Sr. from Brentos Wealth, it's not the greatest start to the new year because just out, and you alerted me to this on FIN 24 that was around about uh, 11 o'clock South African time this morning, it says here, shock, World Bank cuts SA growth forecast to below 1% due to load shedding. And I think we're in phase two at the moment. But anyway, it's a familiar story.
0: Yes, uh, good day, uh, Lindsay, and a great year for you and the uh, and the listeners to this the show of yours. Thank you. I think the World Bank is just confirming what we all suspect. I mean, you cannot have economic growth when your electricity supplier cannot supply uh, a reliable power. And and, and and the fact that we had load shedding over, over the Christmas period leading up to Christmas for the retailers, which was bad enough and then when the factories are all closed so it does indicate that the problems at Eskom are probably substantially bigger than we are led to believe so you don't need to be too smart to work out it's going to be a very tough year in terms of the economy especially manufacturing farming retailing and possibly even mining although mining is benefiting from from very nicely rising uh, prices but on a production level it's going to be very tough so yeah uh, just brace yourself it's not going to be fun uh, there's all kinds of rumours going around that you know we could be living almost semi-permanently with stage 2 to 6 load shedding for a very very long time and then you're not going to have much growth
1: no, and the thing is that we, we need investment into Eskom, short, medium and long term. We need a short term fix to keep the keep the lights on. And, and some people are suggesting that it should be permanent stage one load shedding in order to relieve the burden. I don't know the technicalities of that, but that's what some people are saying. But it seems to me that we, we need money to keep the lights on, but that money is not forthcoming. And so it's it's almost like a catch 22 situation we have here. You
0: know, it might seem uh, a stupid statement to make that we must have permanent stage two load shedding, but it will then allow manufacturers and industrialists and even business people to plan, to know that in advance, that's when the power is off and that's when the power is on. And human beings, what they are, they can work around it, but it's the unpredictability and the unreli- unreliability of, of, of the power supply that, that affects um, business confidence, consumer spending and and, and and everything that you do with power. So it might not be such a bad idea after all. So let's have permanent stage two load shedding and use that period to fix the system. Otherwise, it can go to four and six very, very quickly. And that's when you get the body blows to, to, to business confidence and consumer confidence.
1: Yes, you're quite right. I've always had this argument with people and I've said it doesn't matter whether, for example, I'll use the RAND as an example here. It doesn't matter whether the RAND is 10 to the US dollar or 20 to the US dollar. As long as people know that it's 20 to the US dollar and there is stability rather than massive volatility, then that's fine because you can plan forward if you know that the RAND is at this, this level. Uh, and the same, I suppose, is what you've just said with the low, Shedding situation, you know exactly how much you can use and when you can use it, so you can you you can make provision for it. But if there's uncertainty, that's what stuffs us up.
0: That's correct. You know, and and in the area that I live in, you know, you speak to the small retailers, shop owners, restaurant owners, and and hairdressers and stuff. Not that I see a hairdresser that often anymore. I was going to say that. Yeah. I just go to pay my wife's bill. That's all I do. But you know, they say to you, "How do I plan?" I have a full morning's worth of bookings. I can see ten clients in that period of time, and whoops, overnight it's gone, and then you lose you lose those clients and the turnover and the profits for life. So I think what's going to happen in the next month or two, we will see the uh, from a, from a tax revenue collection we will see the full impact of the uh, load sharing during the Christmas period because that was peak selling time for retailers and that has just knocked that connection very badly. Um, um, And and we're going to see the numbers. I think it's going to... Again, shocked and amazed us quite dramatically.
1: Yes, indeed. In fact, they've got the same situation. We're not alone in this regard, because in the United Kingdom, they've had the worst retail year in recorded history. But anyway, let's not talk about retail too much now. A PMI came out yesterday while we are on the macroeconomic theme at 47.7, mired below uh, 50. And then again, that is just a reflection of lack of demand and also lack of supply when it comes to electricity, Magnus.
0: Well, it's also confidence, you know. Just uh, again, you know, referring to my own personal situation, I, at one stage in the last three or four weeks, I was contemplating maybe trading in my, my seven-year-old uh, uh, Range Rover, which was giving me no problems. Maybe upgrade, you know, for the, f- and then you sit down and you say, no, I, I don't want to do that. I'd rather keep my cash spare and, and and deploy it somewhere else. That is what confidence does. It 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 changes your, your. Thinking about the future and human beings being what they are, they pull back and say, No, 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 I need to conserve my cash because I don't know what could happen a year or two down the line. So, and you see that in car sales. Car sales are under tremendous pressure, people are driving their cars for longer. Yes. And also postponing new, 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 new purchases. So that I think is is very evident in the economy.
1: And yeah, one of the reasons that people are doing that is because of confidence, the confidence factor that you've just alluded to, but also because cars just last longer these days. I mean, you can drive a car into the ground instead of having it for two years and it would break down and you have to get a new one. You can drive it for uh, for ten years and it's still serviceable. It may not be fashionable, but it's still serviceable. You were speaking about deploying your cash. Now, what are you going to do for twenty? 2020 because this is a look forward to 2020 through the eyes of Brenthurst Wealth and yourself. What are you saying? Same as 2019?
0: You know, it's, it's again a question of uh, where do we see value? Uh, you looking at a lot, a range of, of indicators, macro versus micro, and we, we still see extremely low value in the in the in the local market, especially the domestic JSE. We see very little. And we think that even even at the fairly depressed levels, uh, the JSE is still expensive in terms of future earnings. So I think there could still be a downward adjustment uh, or a sideways movement for a very long period of time. So we're very negative domestic uh, equities. We kind of like cash and bonds. That's very attractive. And also extremely negative on the local listed property market. You know, we've got totally, we have no exposure to the listed property market, and still don't see any reason to increase it. Offshore, again, you know, after last year's stellar year, I mean, you need to be a little bit worried about valuations. And now maybe is the time to be considering alternative strategies, maybe cash, and maybe uh, defensive sectors like like energy, like oil, and maybe a little bit of gold, gold and platinum. I've done very well so you need to monitor these things on an ongoing basis but to summarize your question underweight SA equities neutral bonds and cash and still overweight global equities bearing in mind we're not going to see another 30 percent a year we will be very happy with 10 percent in dollar terms so that still remains our, our kind of a overall market uh, approach.
1: You've been very vocal on Twitter and other platforms as well about uh, South Africa. And I noticed a tweet this morning saying that cash has outperformed yet again. But do you advocate people going into cash and bonds or fixed income rather than equities. What would your, your ideal asset allocation, for example, if I won the lottery and I came to you with a couple of million rand, what would you say to me? You'd sit me down and give me a pie chart and say, you've got to do this, this, this and this. Just give me a rough idea of the strategy you would employ for me.
0: Well, I look at uh, I look at many factors first of all, and I'll, and I'll try and ask you the question: Where do you want to be in ten years' time? Where do you see yourself living, your your kids? Uh, and that is to, today in South Africa, increasingly uh, a factor when people walk through the door. You have to ask them the question. You cannot assume that they will be retiring in South Africa in ten or fifteen years from now because the kids have left the country. They probably will join their kids in New Zealand or in the States or in or in Holland, wherever they end up. Once you answer those questions, then you say, right, if you are going to end up, or well, there's a possibility of you ending up overseas, let's increase your offshore exposure to protect yourself against uh, currency movements and and other things like that. Then you start building assets overseas. If someone says to you, listen, I'm I'm a stayer, I'm going to stay in South Africa, I'm not interested. Then you can change that allocation a bit and, and say, look, we can we can give you a very, very nice income from the high bond yields and the high income funds, 9 to 10%. And that's it, and a smaller portion to the offshore um, uh, markets. But it depends on, on, on a lot of factors. But generally, most people in South Africa, if you look at the total asset base, the overall wealth situation, are... Uh, Oh, hopelessly overexposed to a SA re- re- residential property, which has been a very bad investment. Secondly, they mostly, the, SA, the, the pension funds are, are exposed to the local market and they have very little offshore exposure. So we're still doing the adjustment of getting more offshore exposure uh, to a lesser or a greater degree depending on circumstances. Because right now, you know, I tongue in cheek tweaked about retirement shedding. If you look at residential property, you made no money in 10 years in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Your, your your JSC has given you extreme low returns. Uh, um, so if you look at your 10 year projections 10 years ago and compare them with what they eventually turned out to be, you are 30% uh, under your target. So a lot of people are, the baby boomers, the guys retiring in the next five to ten years, are 30% behind target, if I can put it that way. They, they are to the astonishment finding out, wow, I, I, I'm, I'm not even close to what I thought I would be because my assumptions were all uh, incorrect.
1: You talk about a group of people called the stayers and well done to the stayers because they may be right. They may be taking a contrarian view and they may be right in three to five years' time. Who knows? Let's hope they will be. But on the other hand, you must sit them down and say... Just in case, just in case things blow up, just in case we have to go with our begging bowl to the IMF, just in case we have to go there and the round blows out to 20, 25, 30 uh, to the US dollar, you have to have a hedge against that. This should, Even if you're a stayer, there has to be some sort of mitigating part of your portfolio just in case South Africa doesn't do as well as you're expecting it to do.
0: Of course, you have to. I mean, I mean, you know, I look at my situation. All my kids are in South Africa. All my grandkids are in South Africa. I do not want to leave the the country, but um, most of my liquid investments have been overseas for ten years because I consider myself to be a global uh, citizen and a global consumer. My consumption expenditure, if I analyze it, is is medical aid, techn- technology overseas travel overseas hotels and my mountain bikes are made in 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 taiwan and not in south africa so you have to you have to invest in dollars because you're going to pay in dollars at one stage and i think south africans are now starting to work it out whether they, they they going or staying it doesn't make a difference they do spend a lot of money on overseas products if i can take medical aid for instance we all know at what rate medical aid uh, fees are rising. And that's imported directly from the United States where you pay for technology, for skills. And if you're going to invest in rands to pay in dollars in 10 years from now, you're not going to afford it. So it's a fairly logical argument. So I would like to stay in South Africa for the rest of my life, but I do not want to be in a position where if it does fall apart, then I am a, a refugee uh, going back to Holland and saying, "Okay, I'm back."
1: <laughs> yes. Sure. You don't want to be you held. Know, hel- just, you don't want to be held hostage by things that you can't control. I, 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 want, to I want to be
0: helpless. I want to. be in control of it, and that's that's a very mature approach to your little role in in, in in the greater scheme of things. But to be continuously told everything will come right, and it's not coming right in many respects. Uh, uh, I, I just don't want to be in that position.
1: Are you seeing any hope for the stairs? Are you seeing any sort of lights at end of tunnels or green shoots? You know, Lindsay, if you travel through the Western
0: Cape, if yes. you travel from Cape Town to Stellenbosch and then you go to Franschhoek and you go to Paul and you go to Swellendaman and, and those parts, George, uh, by, you are you think you're in a different country. The towns are clean, the roads are paved, there is an efficient uh, administration at the municipalities, So, the Western Cape is, if you do want to move in within the boundaries of South Africa, the Western Cape is where they are making it happen, and it works. I mean, I I, I kid you not, I got a letter from a municipality in Nepal who says, yes, sir, we owe you some money. Please provide your banking details. So, you know, it blew me away. I made an overpayment six months ago, and they picked it up, and they said, can we pay you back? So... The Western Cape is working, and uh, there are parts uh, in the country that the, the stayers are saying, let's make it work. But you cannot do that without support from the government and the local authorities, because that's where our problem um, our problem lies. I, 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 there was a tweet this morning by Helen Zilla about they are fixing all the potholes in Kimberley for the ANC meeting today and tomorrow, and I just tweeted back and I said, don't fix that big hole because that's not a pothole. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, you see, you don't make yourself very popular, Magnus, do you, with that sort of thing? But you know, I, I'm, you're, you're absolutely I'm, right. You know,
0: I'm, I'm, t- I'm too old to be worried about that. I just feel that, and to be very serious, if, if it's the role of a financial advisor, you, you I think honesty and, and being true to the facts is, is is very important. It's like you going to your doctor. And the doctor knows what the facts are and, and, and he rather spins you a wonderful story and things will be fine, don't worry, you can smoke 20 packets a day and six beers a day and you'll be fine. It's just the facts are the facts are what they are. I cannot change the facts. And if the facts change, I'll be the first one to say it. And uh, uh, it's not that I'm negative, I'm a very positive person, but the facts tell me if I want to build wealth, considering what South Africa is going through, it has to be somewhere else, and I don't like saying it, but that is the truth, is it not?
1: No, it really is the truth. Uh, Magnus, thank you so much for your analysis and your uh, brutal honesty, as always. That's Magnus Haystack Sr., who is from Brento's Wealth, sometimes in Johannesburg. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position